Welcome back to The Big Run. Today's guest is Shar Bins. Shar describes herself as a running geek. She loves running. She loves it so much that she created Bookhounds. Bookhounds is a brand new business that combines two of my favourite things, which is running and reading. It's an online subscription service where you sign up for a monthly fee and are sent a surprise mystery book every month all about running from all manner of different perspectives and insights. And for the first time in the Big Run's history, we have our very own discount code. So if you apply at checkout the Big Run 10, you'll receive 10% off your first order at Bookhounds. How cool is that? Our very first discount code, it's awesome. Bookhounds is an amazing initiative. It's a brand new UK business that are doing really exciting things to spread the good word of running and to encourage people to look into all manner of different perspectives and insights about the sport. Ladies and gentlemen, please put it together for Shar Bins. Where did it where did it start for you? When did you start to really sort of get enjoyment out of it and think, I want to do this for, for a long time? Well, it's kind of, it's a long story in a way because it's sort of tracking back. Um, I kind of think now my passion for running is sort of a return to what I was kind of always meant to do. Uh, but there's been a, a kind of delay in that. Um, so when I was a kid, I was absolutely obsessed with just being outdoors, running, sport, football. Um, but back then, no one sort of, nurtured it if you like uh in so much as no one took me to a club or anything like that I didn't know such a thing existed really I was I guess I was kind of a geek well I'm still a geek um like <laughs> a kind of defining moment in my childhood was when uh, Sally Gunnell won um the gold at the Barcelona Olympics I was probably only about seven or eight years old but for some reason that really like um took hold of my imagination and she was my absolute hero throughout my whole childhood even into my teen years um, but then as a teenager, my obsession then became music. I got a bit introverted. I was more like staying indoors, writing songs, uh, being angsty. Um, <laughs> and then in my 20s, uh, I got really academic and um, did my degree sort of late and was um, a bit of a geek and then did a, a master's. Um, and I was sort of playing with running at that time. So I did the Great South Run and I did... Um, the Reading Half Marathon, never with any dedication. It was purely like, I wanted to see myself as a runner, but I wasn't prepared to put in hard work. <laughs> and then I think it, it really started properly. It was a classic story. I was going through a breakup. Um, and it's sort of, um, it's a classic lesbian romance in that we moved in too soon. And we put down a 12 month uh, lease in a flat in East London and broke up after six months. And we had a two bed flat. So, you know, we did the intelligent thing and decided to continue living together. Oh, no. um, yeah. So I actually wanted to be out the house a lot of the time. <laughs> 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 so um, we live pretty near the um, Olympic Park, which um, yeah. if you've ever run around there, it's just, it's full of inspiration. So I just found myself regularly going to the gym and, and get, getting out and doing 10Ks. Um, and then shortly after that, I moved to Liverpool and I moved to really close to where our park run is, or, or was during normal times. Mm. Um, I got really into park run um, and then got this job with a good gym. And at that point, I was sort of like, oh, this is legit. Like, I'm now telling, you know, inspiring other people to run. So I better get on with it myself. Um, entered the Liverpool Rock and Roll Half Marathon and haven't really looked back since then. That was three years ago. I'd love to go just pick up on a couple of things that you, you mentioned then, like going, like, let's, peeling back to 
watching Barcelona 92. In fact, the, our, our most recent episode, uh, Matt Yates was, was also an Olympian in um, Barcelona at 1992. Um, and he was talking about just experiencing it as a, as an athlete, but to experience watching it on the TV as a, as a seven year old child and seeing that, what was it in particular when you were, you were watching Sally Gunnell that sort of really kind of captured your attention? I don't know. I guess it was just so exciting. Um, I suppose uh, any Olympics earlier than that, I wouldn't have been um, old enough to really remember it or to really know what was happening. So just this notion that you could run and people would cheer and you would win a medal. I don't know. That's super exciting. And and here she was, you know, this British woman uh, winning on this global platform. I sh- that was just so exciting for me. And just jumping forward, that the kind of the awkward kind of breakup 12 months slash six months period I mean oh gosh was I mean talk about that is an insane motivation to have like to to know that like well I mean I could go and run for an hour and that's an hour out of the house was it was that period quite awkward then the six months whilst you were training like yeah I mean it was pretty it was pretty bad I wouldn't want to repeat it um but you live and you learn don't you um, and if that's what sort of started or reignited my passion for running, then um, that was only a good thing, really, in the long run. I, this, in fact, you're the first guest we've had we've had on that it's been through the running has started through a, a breakup, like the cementing of the running has, has started, and then that period then when you were really kind of dialing down because you talked about running earlier and wanting to be the runner but not wanting to put in the hard work, was that when you started to really become, primarily because you kind of had to, to be more focused with like how you were approaching your training and stuff like that? Yeah, I think so. And I, I guess the motivation was different. So when I was entering the Great South Run or, or the Reading Half, it was like to prove to myself, oh, I can run. I'm going to do this race. Whereas when I started going out and running around the Olympic Park, it was that everything that comes along with running, you know, everything that everyone talks about, the benefits of running. I felt so good when I was out there or, well, not necessarily when I was out there, but afterwards. And so it wasn't running just to sort of prove something to myself. It was running because it was doing something really good for me. Mm. Um, and then I guess after that, um, training for, for races again, but with, I don't know, a better starting point, really. And you mentioned then as well, you started working with with Good Gym and Good Gym is a, uh an unbelievable organization for people people listening who might not have have heard about it so could you tell us a little bit about the kind of work although is is good gym still functioning in in a capacity with with covid at the moment so maybe yeah, tell us a little bit about good gym and yeah. what they're up to at the minute yeah it's it's tricky so good gym is um a community of runners who get fit while doing good so my role originally was as trainer for good gym liverpool and what that meant was that i was quite hands-on we used to have what we call a group run um, every Monday evening where we'd meet in, in one place um, and then we'd run to a different community project or charity or um, outdoor space and give them some people power hmm. and then run back. So we would do anything from like painting a community centre to doing a litter pick to moving heavy furniture. Yeah, anything that kind of needed just a, a quick burst of people power would be there for 30, 40 minutes and then back to our starting point. So obviously since COVID, we can't run in groups, uh, which sucks. Um, but we've still managed to stay together as a community. And in fact, uh, we had a big social last night because we just finished our January challenge. Um, so every January, usually uh, we compete to see who or which branch can get the most um, good deeds. 
So every time we go and do a task, we call that a good deed. Um, but obviously at the moment, that's a bit tricky. Mm. Um, so we were mostly competing on distance this year. Um, and my team, they're more into the good deeding and the social <laughs> side than the running. Right. Um, but they really stepped it up and um, we won. Well, we sort of they were grouped with different branches this year. Uh, we were called Team Nikki Spinks. And Team Nicky Spinks won out of the eight teams. But out of the 50-odd good gym branches, we actually clocked the third most. Uh, we had number one, number two, and I was number five overall in the in the country. So, um, yeah. That's awesome. They're pretty competitive, my lot. <laughs> I, lo- I love that as well. It's funny. We t- we've talked a lot on this show about, about Strava and about data and like how sort of sort of detrimental that can sometimes be to people's sort of mental health and their kind of approach to running but I love the idea of you're kind of collecting data in like the the best possible way it's like how many good deeds can we get in like how many communities can we help it's like such a a great way of inverting that kind of data hungry thing because there is something like and you call yourself like a bit of a running geek and I think I'll probably call myself a bit of a running geek I do love that data but I love the idea of inverting it and isn't there with good gym the guy who created it, isn't there an interesting story behind him? Because didn't it come from, he made a documentary, didn't he? The the founder of Good Gym about runners in East London, I believe. So Ivo Gormley's the, the founder of Good Gym. I don't know if I've seen the documentary, but um, the story that I have been told is that it started when um, he used to run and get a newspaper for an old chap. Mm-hmm. And he used to do that every day. And one day that um, old chap said to him, I'm your coach. Um, and so we still have something called coach runs, uh, which is when you're matched with an old person and once a week you run and you go and have a chat with them, have a cup of tea with them, and then you run back. Um, and obviously um, the idea is that some days you just don't feel like getting up and up, going for a run. But if you know Harry's waiting for you, then you're going to go out that day. So he's your coach. I love that. So they're kind of holding you accountable. Exactly. Responsible for your training. Yeah, he's a, he's a really interesting character. So Ivo Gormley, he, his his dad is obviously Anthony Gormley. The, That's right, yeah. The artist who he uh, obviously took artistic um, talent from his father and he did this documentary called The Runners, which was him and another chap, I can't remember his name, running around Victoria Park in London and interviewing people whilst they were running and the responses that he gets out of people like how candid people are whilst they're in the act of running is really interesting like he asks people like you know have you ever been in love or like real kind of intimate questions and there's something about people being in that physical act of running where they're much more much more open I suppose anyway I go I digress but that work of, of good gym is um is incredible and oh God, I mean hopefully it can come back in some sort of physical way shape or form like I know there's so many people who've been on who are like craving park run like that in so much is is a real a real sort of thing that people are lacking so You'd started your work with Good Gym and it was the the rock and roll half marathon. Like that was one that you really sort of knuckled down for. How did it go? How was the race? <laughs> it wasn't great, actually. <laughs> no. It was a really, really hot day. Um, it's in May um, and it was hotter than it usually is in May. And I made all the rookie errors. I set off way too fast. I was just so excited. 
you know, I finished it. I didn't finish in the time I wanted. Um, mm. It was probably quite sunburnt. Uh, but, you know, it, I think as a, as a runner, you've got to make those mistakes because that's one of the best ways to learn not to do the same next time. It is a, it's a constant learning process, isn't it? Like, and I suppose, I don't know whether you find this, that's kind of part of the, the addiction. Like that it's, yeah. it's constantly, do you find that that you're constantly like coming back and there's things that you're trying to tweak or improve and get better? Absolutely. There's always something, isn't there? Um, in principle, the act of running is so simple, but if you want to complicate it, you really can. <laughs> and that's quite fun too. So true. It's so true. You can, you can say like, it is the most like democratic thing in the world, but it can become so unbelievably complicated. So where did then, like, so you're working with Good Gym and you also, you work with Homotopia in Liverpool, which is, uh, it's an, an arts festival, right? That's right. Yeah. So it's uh, the UK's longest running LGBTQIA arts and cultural festival. Uh, 17 years, born and bred in Liverpool. Fantastic. So that is, I mean, what's happening with that this year? Is that is that going online? Or is that... <laughs> Good question. Oh, no. Um, is that the million dollar question right now? What are we bit... doing, guys? What's going on? Exactly. Um, so our festival's uh, in late October, early November. So we have a bit of time to think about it, um, but we really start planning this time of year. We did run a festival in 2020. Um, it didn't look how I would have liked it to have looked but we made it happen um we had some stuff online we had some kind of giant art installations around the city we did some audio plays um so I'm really proud of what we put out but um I love live theatre you know I love mm. I love big events I love people in the same room uh, so yeah we're trying to work out what's going to be possible in November 2021 but it's a bit like looking in a crystal ball isn't it yeah, it's so difficult because the goalposts seem to be constantly moving. And with that, with that community, with the LGBTQIA community, like, is the festival and are you as a member of that community trying to draw more parallels with with running and and, and with that world as well, and trying to 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 build bridges between between those two aspects? Because it it always feels like there's there's not really a, a a conversation or visibility when it comes to that community and and running really not not in my experience of it mm -hmm. I don't know whether you can attest to that yeah yeah I mean I I won't, I won't speak for the festival but speaking personally I think um you know running is like like you said before it is this democratic thing but at the same time we tend to hear from um the same voices and the people who um get sponsorship the people who you know really get to go and, and be professionals um, it still is, um, you know, a very specific kind of person in the main. And I think we don't hear very many queer voices uh, talking about running. And then when we come to um, transgender runners, that's a whole kettle of fish. I mean, we mm. could talk about that all day and, and the difficulties that we're going to have around that as a sport. Because at the end of the day, this is still a very binary sport in a world that is starting to acknowledge that actually gender isn't a binary. What I think it's it's so fascinating and, you know, it's so there's so much to unpack there, but it needs to be unpacked, I think. You know, the conversations need to be had. Like, I mean, it's obviously so easy to sort of sit on the sidelines as myself and, and, and comment on it, but are there things that you are looking for, like the major kind of stakeholders in running to 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 do, like the the race organisers, the the brands? Is is there more? Do you think that they could actively be doing to sort of help kind of push that along a bit? Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, 
it comes down to visibility, representation, things like that to start with. Um, if you're talking about events organizers, well, when I sign up for an event, I have to state if I'm male or female. Um, I do identify as female. Um, a lot of my friends, including um, two of the, the Bookhounds team members, uh, identify as non-binary. Um, that can cause all kinds of problems for them, not least just this kind of dysphoria of having to sit there and choose between two binary mm -hmm. options when they don't feel like that. But for example, um, one of my friends, we, we ran a race together um, and they are trans non-binary. They were assigned female at birth, but they, um, they present in a very masculine way. And when we um, looked at the race results on the way back from the race, they'd been disqualified. And we were like, okay, what's all this about? And the only thing we could think is that when they entered, they had to tick female. But when they've crossed the line to whoever's looking at them, they look like a man. And so they wrote off an email and an hour later, okay, the, ra the race results have been reinstated, but no explanation, nothing. So our hunch was right, but nobody sort of wants to own up to that. Um, but if, if we're going to have such a kind of binary way of seeing our sport, then this is just going to keep happening. And that's on an amateur level. If we then look at a professional level, obviously we've got things like Casta Semenya, um, who does identify as female, but the powers that be say she's not the right kind of female. And so, yeah, it's, as I say, it's a kettle of fish. I, I think uh, especially at an amateur level, for, you know, a recreational level, that feels like such an easy fix like totally it's a diff it's another another tab on the drop down menu on your website mm -hmm. surely and and just ratifying that against whatever computer check that you need to do to get your time or your chip time sort of submitted like that feels like it feels like such an obvious kind of fix and then i know when it comes to international level there's yeah there's so many other uh, voices involved and 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 yeah i mean the Olympic side of things or the world champion side of things, I, I don't feel qualified enough to, to discuss that. No. But I feel like at an amateur level, like it feels like such a, a such an easy, easy fix. Isn't so, it? Yeah, it really does. Like I, I, it I really surprises like, me that your yeah, friends had to go through that. Absolutely. Because I think as runners, we have an identity about being really inclusive. Oh, come along to our club. Everybody's welcome. But actually, there's a huge amount of transphobia. Um, I mean, there was a tweet um, on um, Women's Running Magazine had, had written a story about Eddie Izzard recently. Um, and um, Eddie Izzard has recently said that they want to um, go by she, her pronouns. Mm. Like that's what's comfortable for her at the moment. Um, and so many transphobic comments on this tweet. I, I just couldn't believe it. And so, you know, we're a community that everybody's welcome, unless you're a trans woman. It's really, yeah, it's... It is because we were literally just talking about the democracy of it, that it is open to everyone and all you mm -hmm. really need is a pair of trainers and then to open your front door that I think there is a, a, a so much more so much more work that needs to be done. And, and that feeling of inclusivity within kind of community aspects, which is why I suppose stuff like Good Gym is good, but also within definitely within the running club community as well because it's incredible that we have that in this country you know it's we're so unique in the UK that we have such a pedigree and such a vast number of running clubs but I think a lot more can be done with them at a grassroots level to help with that and I think the kind of the kind of uh, the running crews that are starting to crop up I mm. feel like that's starting that's like a step forward to bridge that gap where it's more of a community thing it's less about racing and more about just 
getting people yeah. getting people together i mean have you like is that something that you potentially would look to do in in, in the future like i know you, we've got book hands and we're going to come to that but like is that something that you would look to do is starting your own kind of running crew or, or club or whatever you'd want to call it um i don't think i've got time at the moment but... <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if you're giving you more stuff to do i mean come on Jack, get on with it please um you know in, in liverpool we've got a lot of clubs and um there's kind of a club for every day of the week and there's a club for loads of different things and that's quite exciting so i probably wouldn't want to replicate that um you know we've got along with good gym we've got the kind of traditional running clubs but then we've got yeah, we've got the traditional running clubs, but then we've got uh, clubs like uh, Michaela, that's obviously a club for people who like drinking beer and running. Uh, we've got uh, Liverpool Front Runners, which is the LGBTQIA uh, runners club. Um, so, yeah, I think there's there's already a good choice. But, yeah, I, I do like that kind of more flexible model because I, I think running clubs can seem quite scary. I, I only joined a running club for the first... I've been into running for nearly 20 years now, and I only joined the running club for the first time in july of this year and mm. there was definitely apprehension um and slightly reticence and all, all of those fears were from me ultimately because they turned out to be an absolutely lovely group of individuals <laughs> and i've been had a really good experience with them but there is a sense of that you know um and this is coming from someone you know a sort of white heterosexual male man like i, I can imagine if you feel even more different that kind of club environment can probably feel even even more in, intimidating um when you're not even thinking about like fitness levels as well mm -hmm. um so you have carved out a niche for yourself in this environment with with bookhounds which is kind of how i first came onto you and it's it's a really awesome initiative and a really great idea um so for people listening tell me about bookhounds Sure. Okay. Well, um, it's brand new. So this is very exciting for me to actually talk to you about it um, because we are so new. Uh, we literally launched at the start of January and um, our first book hasn't even gone out yet. So we, we're just signing up new members. Um, so Bookhounds in a nutshell, it's kind of where a running club meets a reading group. Um, in short, we're a book subscription box that delivers um, a running book to your house every month. Um, but then there's loads of kind of online content and extras and discussions um, for people who really want to, to go into to this book and to chat about running and to just get, yeah, to be geeky runners together. And where did that idea come from then? Where Was it, was because it, it seems to me like it might be a kind of COVID kind of response, like moving to that kind of like monthly subscription, more kind of online kind of model was 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 that where some of the inspiration came from? But why about the reading as well? Why? why what was it about literature that you wanted to sort of spread out there with people? Um, it, it wasn't a COVID response, actually. It was something I was thinking of before COVID hit. But I think um, it made sense to try and give it a go in a COVID world because obviously running and reading are pretty much two of the only things we can do at the moment. <laughs> um, so the kind of spark of the idea came, um, I was training for my first marathon um, and I was also um, doing the England Athletics coach and running fitness course. Uh, and I went to Liverpool Central Library one day to try and study in, in a different place. Um, and I checked out their very, very slim section on running. Um, and I found this book, uh, Runner, by Lizzie Hawker. And I didn't know who Lizzie Hawker was at the time. Um, I do know now that she's probably one of the greatest endurance runners of all time. Um, 
and I took this book out of the library and I was a bit injured, um, sort of twinges with the marathon training and there was only about three weeks to go and I was feeling a bit fed up and I just devoured this book and what it did was it really reminded me um, why I wanted to run uh, and why I loved running and how brilliant running is. Um, I feel like sometimes when you're training for a race it becomes more of an obligation than actually something that you you love doing that you want I want to go out for a run or no I have to go out for a run um, and so yeah Lizzie Hawker just reminded me of, of all that good stuff why running so brilliant um, to the extent that three weeks later I was doing the Edinburgh Marathon and um, the first half of the marathon I must have looked just really weird because I just had a giant smile on my face like I was just loving it and it just sort of was channeling Lizzie Hawker unfortunately not her speed but like the kind of <laughs> things that she says in that book um and then after that I just sort of started binge reading uh books about running um and every time I was kind of losing my running mojo or just wasn't really feeling it um these books would sort of bring me back to to that joy um, and I thought, well, if this worked for me, it could work for other people. And um, yeah, why not go and share that joy of, of running and reading um, mm. with other people? It's lovely. It really is it's such a lovely sentiment. And it's so true that like those are, you know, pretty much the only things that people can do right now. But I think what's more interesting is 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 finding your kind of fuel again. Do you know what I mean? Not in the literal sense of food and energy, but like the, the mental fuel for for running because it can be really tough and unforgiving and like you say like an obligation especially when you're committed to you know a 12 or 16 week or whatever it is kind of program that you need to find that fuel and there's something about the art of storytelling as well and sharing stories it's such a it's such a kind of pure thing that we've been doing for like millennia do you know what I mean sitting around the campfire sharing stories and exchanging stories is is such a primal thing that I think people really connect to and I think the two of stories and running is a is a beautiful synergy so what happens then so people what's the model then so people sign up and then they get one once a month like a, a book pops up in the letterbox How's it exactly yeah exactly so you sign up and at that point you get access to all of our kind of members only content on the website some of it's free access but um some of it's it's hidden behind a, a paywall that sounds horrible it sounds really <laughs> corporate but yeah you, you you get um access to everything and there'll be more on there as, as we go as i say it's um, only just gone um and then once a month um the first week of the month all being well uh we'll dispatch a book to you you won't know what it is so it's it's a bit of um a surprise I guess a lovely surprise and it will arrive um, and you'll start reading it uh, then we'll release um, an interview with the author of that book to kind of um, inform your reading even more um, and then later in the month we'll release a podcast where myself and um, Jack who's on the team chat with um, a guest who's kind of sort of tangentially relevant to that book mm-hmm. um, kind of um, that's the kind of book club part of it so we kind of sit there and and pull apart the book and say the bits we like about it and that kind of thing um and then we've got a goodreads group so that everyone else can also get involved by chatting on there too i love it it's such a good idea i love it i love the oh, combination thanks, of the different things i think it's brilliant so what what kind of have you got like a uh what kind of literature what kind of fields are you, are you sending out to people is it all manner of different perspectives and, and stories is that kind of part of your remit 
Definitely, yeah. So it's a bit of everything. Um, I can't really tell you the books yet because, it, it, as I say, it's a surprise. Um, I mean, I think uh, Lizzie Hawker's Runner is, you know, that's a great example of the kind of story that I'd be sharing. There's a lot of autobiographical stuff. There's a lot of kind of epic adventure stuff. But at the same time, um, you know, kind of touching on what we were talking about before, I do want to bring in the voices that are less heard in running. So the kind of accidental athletes and the everyday runners and the mid-pack runners and the back of the pack runners um, and, you know, people who um, just don't, yeah, we don't get to hear from as much. Um, so, yeah, it would be, be a really diverse mix. And sometimes for some, some of our members that will probably involve reading sort of outside of their usual comfort zone, um, and I think that's what's quite exciting about it, really. You might pick up and read a book that you didn't think was for you, but when you read it, you still got a lot out of it. It's like, I suppose it's like, you know, any kind of training, really. You're kind of pushing yourself out of a parameter that you might not necessarily enjoy, but there's always a benefit benefit to be reached. And in terms of finding that diversity of thought and, you know, lived experience, is that quite difficult for you right now to sort of mine that and, and find those voices? Yeah, it is actually. Um, so I have good intentions, but I also am realistic that not all the stories have been published. Mm. Um, we still have this kind of niche of, of core books that are written by, um, you know, mostly, you know, cisgendered, heterosexual white men. Um, and it's not to say that they haven't written some amazing books and we'll definitely be sharing books written by um, that demographic but I'd love to hear other voices too mm. um, because everybody is running you know the running community is so so diverse and um, I want to hear voices from people who are different from me as well you know it's a struggle at the moment because those books just literally aren't being published um, or for example I just finished a book that I loved um, which I can tell you because I can't get it I've tried <laughs> um, it's a book called Spirit Run um, uh, by uh, Noe Alvarez, and it's about um, uh, Indigenous North Americans running through their stolen lands. Um, so it's, he runs about 6,000 miles with this, um, this group. Um, it's a gorgeous book about a really important topic, mm. um, but it's not, there's no UK license for it at the moment, so I can't get it. Mm. Um, so yeah, sometimes the books do exist, but they're not published by a major publishing house. So you can't get them even when they exist. And for people listening, maybe that they might not be able to sort of get hold of the literature just yet, but are there people maybe on, on social media or on, on YouTube or whatever that maybe do represent that diversity of thought that you can maybe like put people onto that you, you that maybe you follow or, or, or listen to? Yeah, totally. Um, actually, uh, we just published a blog last week that has uh, 15 Instagram accounts that would um, uh, would sort of diversify or, or uh, refresh your Instagram account. Um, so I won't name any names because there's 15 on there. Just check out uh, our <laughs> website. Test. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will make sure that I, I'll link that in the description um, for the podcast and make sure that people get onto that because I think that is it's such an easy ask, I think. And I think for a lot of people, I, I feel like the intention is there, but it's just not what's being put in front of, of people and exactly. nor it's it's a real hard one I suppose because there there has to be there has to be a willingness to go out and seek out you know new perspectives of thought and that but I think it's also about not putting too much pressure on people being you know you need to do da, 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 da. and I think it is the responsibility of the upper echelons to 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 maybe make that more that more kind of kind of 
accessible. But like in your kind of dream scenario, in terms of the sport, how would you like to see it evolve in terms of in the next sort of 10, 15 years? If, if everything was to, to go to plan, how would you sort of like to revision the sport um well you're not going to change that much are you in in 10 years because things change really really slowly Mm. um but but at the same time things are changing so um like last year black trail runners launched uh, with sort of quite a fanfare and they really um uh you know got involved with a lot of groups very quickly they had a big thing with runners world and i think challenging what I guess is the biggest running publication in the country um, to think about what they do is a massive first step. I noticed in Runners World last month um, there was an article about non-binary runner and I think you know even even two years ago we probably wouldn't have seen that so things are changing. Um, I guess from my perspective from Bookhound's perspective the publishers need to catch up as well it's not just the sport. Publishers need to um, realize that actually people want to hear voices that are different they don't just want to to hear very similar people speaking about things um so i guess i'd I'd really love to see running in in running media in running advertising um in all the way through to actually look like the community that we really are i think it's interesting you mentioned advertising as well and i always feel there's a slight when adverts or brands do uh, engage with those voices there's sometimes I don't know whether you found this but like there's a slight disingenuousness with it sometimes with how they kind of co-opt you know differing views just for for kind of optics like does that does that come across as someone within the community that they're kind of like just jumping on the bandwagon (laughs) for want of a better Um, phrase no, massively. And that, that is quite a balance, isn't it? Because you, on one side, you say, oh, I want to see more representation. But then on the other side, if it feels tokenistic or it doesn't feel authentic, then that is a problem. I mean, um, in Liverpool, our um, LGBT pride is in um, August. All through that month, you walk through the city and there's these rainbow flags everywhere. And just to be clear, pride flags, not NHS flags. <laughs> That's a different conversation. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> and, you know, there's pubs that, as a queer woman, I wouldn't dream walking in hand mm. in hand with my partner. But suddenly, well, the gay people might go there and spend money. So this month, you know, they're LGBT friendly. Mm. I don't know what happens after August. So, yeah, whenever brands do this, they need to be authentic and they need and to do that. They need to be getting people on their teams and not even just as consultants, but permanently, you know, mm. that actually a, a part of their brand permanently who can speak to these issues and not just people thinking that they can speak on behalf of other communities. I think that's so right. It's so I love the fact as well that all months, like I think Black History Month starts in, in February or is it January? It starts, I think it's February. Oh, I'm not it's sure. February. But, no, yeah. no, it's LGBT History Month is February. So what's Black History Month? Maybe that's January. Know. But the fact that they're contained to a month always blows yes. my mind. It's like you got 30 days and then exactly. that's, that's it. Then no more Black History and no more no more Pride. That's it. You've got 30 days and then... And then we're done. Like, yeah, and, and when Pride happens in, in London, like I remember seeing or maybe reading about it, it was like Pride brought to you by Barclays. And it just, <laughs> just it, it's that disingenuineness, I think. And like, like exactly what you say, it's about actually having people within that body who can attest in, from that lived experience. I mean, you spoke then about pubs um, 
that you wouldn't walk into with your partner? Have you ever encountered difficult or uncomfortable moments when you've been out with your partner when you've been been running? Have you ever experienced anything? Um, I wouldn't say I'd experienced homophobia when I've been out running because I, I guess, you know, two women running together, no one knows that mm. that's necessarily a partner. Um, I've certainly experienced um, misogyny or sexism and um, I noticed Runner's World and, and Women's Running Magazine are doing um, a big survey on harassment in running at the moment. I mean, that's certainly a thing. Um, mm. And, you know, it's kind of what I've been saying, like even a, a woman's perspective of running is different from a man's perspective of running. So we have to hear all those voices. Is that is 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 that still I mean, I I can't talk to it. I've never experienced it. Is that something that happens frequently then kind of catcalling and kind of horrible like comments and stuff? Yeah, I mean, I guess um, for me, uh, kind of like on the kind of masculine side of um, of my presentation. So I probably don't get it as much as, as women who are very feminine. Uh, but I could give you an example of something that happened to me one night when I was coming home from leading a good gym session. Um, you know, it was late, I was tired, it was dark. And some bloke said, you know, something, hello, blah, blah, you know, wanted to talk to me. And I'm just running and so I ignore him. I don't know who he is, it's dark. And then he actually put his leg out and tried to trip me up. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a relatively small thing, much worse things happen to women every day of the week. Uh, but yeah, it exists. Um, and yeah, you know, as a woman, I, I'd like to get into trail running, but I, sometimes I'm too scared at the thought of just going out and being in the middle of a woods by myself with no one knowing where I am and, uh, hasten to guess that most men probably don't have to think about these things in the same way. No, not not in that context. No. And it's rubbish. Like, it's just rubbish. Because the thing, the interesting thing is, and I suppose that's maybe part of my ignorance, because I instantly think trail running, great adventure. Let's go run in the mountains. Da, 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 da. And I'm mm -hmm. not thinking of that. I'm not even yep. contemplating that. And that's because I can't, I'm not coming from from that perspective. But to just imagine having that level of impingement on something that you love so much, you know, that you love running so much. And it's so clear listening to you talk about it. It's just, it's just a bit bit of shit for want of a better phrase not to be able to it's a lot of shit yeah 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 and it's interesting with people's interactions with 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 runners and this to to all you know men and women and people who may who may identify as, as binary as well people who've been running during covid that's been a bit of a contentious issue as well like i've had some bizarre altercations with people i don't know whether you found it in in liverpool it seems to be a real it re really seems to unnerve people and and i can kind of understand why but it's a real some people get really um frightened but what i find really difficult because i don't know what the right i feel like there needs to be an agreed bit of decorum about it like whenever i've sort of tried to announce myself when i'm running behind someone that freaks them out. So I'm like, okay, I won't say anything. And then when I do go past them and don't say anything, that freaks them out as well. And it's like, it feels like it's a, like a, you can't win. It's like a lose-lose situation. Like, totally. I don't know whether you can speak to that. Yeah, I mean, I think um, runners have been given this bad rap during COVID and I, I found it quite bizarre because, um, you know, I definitely can't speak for every runner, but from my own perspective, I've literally been running in the middle of the road to go around people, you know, socially distanced. Um, I'm, especially at the moment because it's been so cold, I'm wearing a buff. So if there's not enough room for me to get out in the middle of the road, I'll pull my buff up. You know, so I think a lot of people are misbehaving and, you know, not socially distancing and not 
giving a crap about other people. Um, maybe some runners are, but I don't know why runners have been tarnished with this um, sort of bad name. No, it's even. I think even Piers Morgan was on. I think he was on IT. Oh no. <laughs> um, yeah, he's a he's a character. Um, he was on ITV or whatever the breakfast program that he's on. Um, sort of lambasting runners for breathing too heavily, and I just exercise is such a key tenet for survival during all of this COVID thing. Totally. And just generally, anyway, COVID, non-COVID situations. I think that to kind of give runners the kind of hit around the head is is, um, is not cool. There's also one other person in Bookhounds that we haven't mentioned, and that's someone from the canine world who's also <laughs> your Bookhounds uh, kind of mascot. And uh, Can you tell us a little bit about them? Um, I think you're talking about Penny Flo, uh, who is a whippet. <laughs> <laughs> or actually, to be official, Penelope Florence. Ah, yes. Um, she is, uh, she's my young whippet. Um, she's she's one year old and she's a classic lockdown pup. Although we got her slightly before the first lockdown hit, about a week before. Um, and yeah, she's um, she's on the logo. She's sort of she crops up on the website quite often. Um, and she's really, you know, I think anybody that's had a pet over lockdown can attest to the fact that that's along with running uh, been another thing that's that's made this last year a, a lot better. Does she come out with you on some runs? Do you know what? With I really want as well, her to. I imagine. Yeah. Like, she's oh amazing. <laughs> she's an absolutely fabulous runner. Um, but she's also very lazy. Um, there's a funny thing about sighthounds, you know, we greyhounds as well and lurchers. They're really, really lazy. So they're brilliant sprinters. Um, and then they're done. They just want to sleep the rest of the day. So I'd really like to start running with her. Um, you're not really supposed to run with uh, your dog like Canny Cross until um, they're fully grown and 12 months old. So she only just turned one in January. Um, have been out of a couple of times, but the last time I took her out, it was slightly raining and she does not like the rain. So um, we went about 50 metres and then she refused to go on any further. We turned around and she sprinted for home. So... <laughs> I do have ambitions to run with her, but um, as yet they're unfulfilled. Maybe we should check in this time next year, and you know, to see the sort of rocky montage with you, you know, down, <laughs> down Crosby Beach with Penny, just you know. Oh, running. I mean, she loves Crosby Beach. I wouldn't be able to keep up with her on the beach. Uh, and people listening as well, Crosby Beach. Big shout out to uh, Crosby <laughs> Beach. It's it's an absolute fine place and and my home. Just to finish off. And we ask all our guests this and don't feel like I've just sort of throwing something at you at the last minute. Don't worry about the face. Don't worry. I'm not, there's no like hardcore maths. It's not like a test or anything like that. Um, but if you were, and I imagine you've encountered a lot through through all the reading that you've done for Bookhounds, but if there was one piece of advice that you've encountered through your reading or maybe you've coined yourself as a runner that you'd like to impart to the people listening, what would that be? Yeah, I think... Um... What I'd probably say is to think about what your why is, because that's sort of how it, how it started and with me and with Bookhounds and uh, when I was reading the, the Lizzie Hawker book. Um, what's your why? And if you're struggling, always return to what your why is. Um, I guess for me, mine is sort of, it's kind of this, this legacy of when I was a kid and this Sally Gunnell's biggest fan. Um, I guess I always thought that I was going to be this runner. And so now it's sort of like a return to that. It's like becoming this person that I always thought I was going to be. Um, I guess that's what my why is. And uh, 
when I'm struggling, if I remind myself of that, uh, it really helps because, uh, yeah, we do a lot of, sorry, but we don't. <laughs> I thought you were giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> no, 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 keep going. I'm listening. It's great. <laughs> Imagine sorry. all people listening are now like, God, he's ruthless as a host. He just, cu- he just cuts Time. people off. No, that's it. Time, get off. No, we can chat for as long as you want. No, there's no structure on the big run. It's, it's easy. Uh, no, no, no. I was just listening intently. <laughs> yeah, no, I was, I was just thinking, you know, like we do a lot of the, the how, we do the what we do the when um and we don't always do the why we've run in and, and actually i think that's more important than all that other stuff if you if you get that right and you know what why you're running then the how and the when and the where is is sort of secondary mm. it's so easy to lose sight of as well isn't it like it's so Definitely. it's so you can get so swept up in whatever it is you know dealing with injury or or races or times or why isn't my body going in the direction that I want it to go in why can't I be faster or you get on the Strava kind of sort of self-loathing train and you're kind of comparing yourself that yeah I think it is it's really important to remind yourself of that why sure that's a lovely sentiment to end on and I wasn't I wasn't cutting you off I love this idea of people think I'm a ruthless host in, in reality it's brilliant or maybe I was I'll never know but um sure thank you so much for for coming on the big run and I will be linking two book counts which is about to you're imminently posting out your first book at the that's right yeah it's going out soon hopefully this week but you can join any time join any time i think it's an, a, an amazing synergy of a, a sport that i love and and combining that with with reading all about the sport and learning from new and fantastic perspectives that i think we can all work a little bit harder to do as well i think it's just a, a brilliant brilliant idea so thank you so much for coming on the big run and being a legend of a guest thank you oh my pleasure Big thank you to Shah for coming on and telling us all about her running journey and the amazing book hounds. Like I said at the start, we have our very own discount code, the Big Run 10, all one word in uppercase to get yourself 10% off your order at checkout. It's a really fantastic company who I think are going to be doing really exciting things and spreading the good word of running to everyone who's into the sport. It's a really great idea and I love the mystery element as well getting that little surprise every month landing on your doorstep I just think is is a great way to switch people on to all the different perspectives that are out there on this sport that we love. As always if you've enjoyed what you've listened to and you feel like leaving us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts then please do as it helps the show and if you want to join me on my running journey you can do on Instagram at Danny Runs Some and as always if you're able to get out there and get running. <laughs>